0: Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello and a good morning at ya. It is a beautiful day here in Pittsburgh, May 16th, 2019. Um, all the more reason not to look at the news, <laughs> which is not beautiful, at least in as much as... uh as we define news I was I was thinking about the ability of, with social media now to be made aware of things that are upsetting that we would never have known before you know local news stories little teeny local news stories I'm coming from you know towns of a thousand people or, or fewer all of a sudden and I want to say fewer not less I'm one of the few people in the world still using the word fewer, which is the proper word. Anyway, we didn't used to be bombarded uh, by news that would distress us at the level we are bombarded today if we are out there getting our news in any way here or here because of these algorithms that these platforms uh, use. So they see who I follow. They see what I click on and they just keep giving me more and more and more instead of so i i I just have to say i'm i I'm, I'm starting to actually consider i don't know how I can do it getting off social media if i don't know how I can do this show and and do that but i i don't i just know it is extraordinarily unhealthy um Obviously, a lot of pieces have been written about this. Um, one, I happen to see i guess this is probably why it's in my head. Um, I saw i think uh, I don't know a few days ago, and uh, it was it was a piece written in the in the Guardian uh, newspaper. And it was essentially saying that, I mean, we owe it to uh, society and to ourselves to tune out a lot. Um, And it is because information is coming at us in a way that it has never before. And it is, to use a word I hate, curated by these platforms that we belong to that give us this information, (coughs) curated to give us the kinds of news, oh, damn it, (coughs) oh, God, (coughs) it's spring, (coughs) to give us the kind of news that they know we Turn to look at. They can tell by our behavior in what we look at, what gets us to look, and so they get us looking more and more and more. For 99.9% of human history, and I'm talking millennia, 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 information was often very hard to come by, often impossible to come by, and slow, whenever I read about like the 1700s, the 1800s, and realize that if you were not physically uh, physically near another human being in order to have an interaction with them, it would take often weeks or months if a letter had to be carried across an ocean on a sailing ship. And people... function just fine. Obviously, that slower ability to get information slowed everything down and allowed people to have time off from constant information, information, information to do what? to think, to be thoughtful, to take in their environment, their circumstances. I mean, we, and I don't think we appreciate this, and I, it's, it's a classic case of can't see the forest for the trees, we, in the last, what, 15 years? a a mini blink in time. We are the only humans who have ever breathed and lived at this pace and with this constant bombardment of information, Often disinformation, often information meant to raise our stress levels because that's the stuff that gets your attention. All you have to do is watch uh, a television newscast try to get you to stay through the next commercial break. You know, And coming up, what is working in your home that could kill your family overnight? You know, this is what we have coming at us now, second after second after second, and it is intended to hook us. It is addictive. So all these geniuses over in Silicon Valley who have created this crap, this environment we live in now, have knowingly, it to addict us to it. And that addiction does nothing to truly inform us, to truly make us better citizens, better people. I think a lot could be said for tossing this I forgot this at home yesterday. And the minute I realized I didn't have it, I panicked. I was dry. I had to drive down yesterday downtown here to come here and i immediately felt incredible stress what if i have trouble finding a place to park how do i get I, I can't like call amy my producer to tell her hey whoa whoa i might be late oh my god how do i oh my god i don't have the app to the for the parking if i do find a place on the street oh my god i'm going to have to i'm i am not kidding you later after the show, I had an errand to run in a part of town I don't know well, and I got a little lost. And I thought, I can't believe, I can't. I was like in the north, northern Pittsburgh, north suburban area. I thought, oh god, and then I thought, well, geez, just get out your Google Maps, put in a thing, and t-. and then I thought. I don't have my phone. So you know what I was left to do? Think. To do what I would have done for the most of my life, finding myself confused as to my whereabouts. I actually was proud of myself because I scanned the horizon and i saw some satellite towers and i thought whoa whoa over there that's i bet wpxi and 22 there's all over there on those hills and i made my way toward them to get my bearings That is actually a better use of my brain than. But I mean, to divorce myself from what is now the norm is to, in some ways, you know, do a Thoreau or be isolated. Um, and yet i think i would be better off i know i would i know i would because the way we're all living now even you right now listening to me you are you are choosing to be fed an endless diet of the kind of information that you are regularly fed and it gives you and me all of us a distorted view of reality because we all are now existing in bubbles that absolutely preclude getting lost and understanding and bumping into people you wouldn't you know what i mean the way life used to be so i don't know I just don't know. This so-called information age, I, I remember when they started calling it, and I was always saying, it doesn't look like that to me. It looks like the synonym now for information is just garbage. It's just, I felt like I was being, and this was 20 years ago, felt like I was being pelted constantly by stuff, first of all, I didn't need to know. And this is before I even understood that there were puppet masters out there who were working on my head by, and actually, again, curating the information I was receiving. Confirming my view of the world. Maybe we should be forced to trade with people we don't agree with or are totally different from us you know maybe once a day every month or just you know live their reality see what they're being fed I and if you think that you and me are only being fed truth and they are only being fed lies that's that's ludicrous that really is You get the impression I don't much like this world I'm living in right now. You're right, I don't. But then, you know, what choice do I have? <laughs> what choice do I have? But I, I once, once I, about a year ago, I think I gave a speech, and I another speaker at this event was um, one of these software genius types who had, I I can't remember what business it was he had that got then bought up by a big, big fish and he was a gazillionaire. And and he showed me his phone. (laughs) It was like a hundred year old flip phone. It was, it was ludicrous. He couldn't get any. I mean, it was just a mobile phone. Essentially, it was not a mini computer. And I said, "What? What?" And he said, "Look, <laughs> I spend most of my workday, and my workday is a long one." in front of a screen, getting in information. He said, when I am not at work, I don't want that coming in. And I understand that he is not alone in that world. They, in many ways, created it, got rich off of it, and then saw for themselves the stress that it caused in their own lives and thought, well, as much as I can. Hmm. So, and the thing is, if information is not necessarily knowledge, knowledge is not, certainly not wisdom. And I don't think you arrive at wisdom by not ever having a lot of time to quietly contemplate things, think. And there is no doubt that our bodies, our physical bodies, are stressed out by this. Our heads often are not aware of our stress levels. I was happened to be at a medical uh, place yesterday, and um, the nurse was saying how, yeah, you know, our heads, we don't even realize how much stress we're under, but our bodies do. Our bodies do. Whether it's lack of sleep, whether it's digestive disorders, whether it's, um, you know, uh, high blood pressure, whatever, all that stuff is a direct result of this unnaturally, unhuman speed that this technology has forced upon us. We are not meant to live at this pace. So, that's that. I wasn't intending to say any of that. Where did that come from? I don't know. Barbara sends uh, a little bit of history God, it was 1844? Samuel Morse, on May 24th, 1844, sent a historic first message on the telegraph. And he was wise enough to say, What hath God wrought? He knew that he was setting off a change in the speed with which people had ever been able to communicate. And he knew it was something huge. What hath God wrought? You don't think uh, my uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, sitting in his Harvard dorm, had uh, the uh, wherewithal to consider what he was about to unleash? <clears throat> he didn't say what had. God wrought. He was too busy rotting it. Roger, among other things, writes, if a squirrel farts in Seattle, it'll be on the news in Pittsburgh. That's right. That is it. And I've I've noticed, you know, even the network news, to get away from the Trump mania and all that crap, they um, often give us these exactly uh, squirrel farts in Seattle, even on the national news with uh, no more than 20, 21 minutes to fill on a half hour show, the rest being commercials. Timothy Leary was a man ahead of his time. Turn on, tune in, and drop out. (laughs) Drop out. So, I don't know. The news that is too much with us is... Unsettling, and it is uh we do need to know some of what is going on. We do not need to know with the immediacy we know it. I did not to I did not need to know five minutes after the governor of Alabama signed this uh abortion bill making abortion illegal in her state punishable by a life sentence for the doctor performing one. I, I didn't need to know that one minute after it happened. I didn't even need to know it probably a day after it happened. And then after it, of course, the onslaught of reaction to. Right? But even if I learned a day or two later, I would say that this is a piece of information that I do need to know and pay attention to and perhaps in as much as it's part of my ability to act upon this information, which I find appalling. I don't even know how to begin. There's a handbook that's been written for how American women can make their way through a post-row America. It's called Handbook for a (laughs) Post-Row America. I am actually meeting after the show today with... uh, to people from uh, the Planned Parenthood here because that organization is in a truly desperate situation and if you, let me just say this, if you have ever supported Planned Parenthood it needs your support now more than ever. It is about to lose Probably one third of the funding it has had because of federal um, anti abortion actions. And it won't, st- that none of that stops abortions. It stops the ability of Planned Parenthood to give preventive care, cancer screenings sex education, all of that, that's what it prevents because they've been prevented for years from having any funds for abortions. This is just an attempt to take it down. If you have supported Planned Parenthood in the the past through donations through volunteer work the organization has never been in more peril in its one hundred years and here's the big thing and I, I don't know how to get this through people's heads the power of the ballot. Do you see where all of this is coming from? It's not coming from DC. It's coming from state capitals. It's coming from the state level. In some respects it's also coming from the local level with uh, local councils, creating zoning laws that essentially make it impossible for a Planned Parenthood to even exist in their borders, the kind of death by a thousand cuts that has been coming out of Harrisburg for decades. Um, I don't know what it is with Pennsylvania voters. And maybe it's just because they're good Catholics following the church, I don't know. But they can vote for progressive candidates, Democratic candidates, and then they turn around and put these men, almost, they're not all men, a lot of women, into office who want to get into, well, they don't care about my uterus anymore. (laughs) Ha, ha, I aged out. It happens at the state level. And if the court eviscerates, Supreme Court eviscerates Roe, it'll be through sending it to the states. Right now, right now, uh, I want to get the exact number of how many states already. Essentially, most of the South and a lot of the middle of the country, women have just minimal access to abortion. Six states have only one clinic in their entire state. And they not only just have the one clinic, they have all of these draconian hoops for a, a desperate woman to jump through. And if that woman is poor and doesn't have the ability to uh, drive to where that one clinic is, take a day off work, a day off work means she isn't paid, then leave, then come back another day because then a waiting period has been imposed. All of those things are de- are. are are only to hobble a woman from owning her own body. These fetal heartbeat bills... no fetal heartbeat would exist without the woman carrying that fetus. Her heartbeat, the woman's heartbeat, is what even, obviously, allows the possible development of a full human being. I don't know. I have to tell you, I didn't think I'd ever see this. Roe will be essentially overturned. Uh, Maybe not this year, maybe not next, but it will be overturned. It will be um, eviscerated. It will be dismembered like the so-called pro-life people say, babies are dismembered. And here's here's the thing that freaked me out. I saw this in the Times today. Senate passes a milestone And you know what the milestone is? The U.S. Senate, for the first time in its history, has confirmed 40 circuit court judges in just two years under President Trump. And let me tell you what that means. An entire quarter of those federal judicial seats are now held by ultra-right, ultra-right and politicized right so-called jurists, many of whom were declared totally unfit. By the American Bar Association, so that's the game there are all these states the Republicans are acting like Republicans act, like the juggernaut that they know how to be, and eventually some of these laws will get to the Supreme Court will get to the not the Supreme Court get to one of these circuits. And that circuit, probably a lot of them will end up at the Sixth Circuit, which is, given the states that have passed these things, a good chance it ends up at the Sixth Circuit. And guess what? Trump has appointed several, several judges to that Sixth Circuit. So where the courts used to stop this stuff, they're now going to green light it because of McConnell's plan to pack the judiciary in a way that has never happened before with the Democrats unable to stop any of it. And it will continue, this court packing so that the odds of Trump and uh, the anti-abortion crowd finding um, a a good ruling, a good judge, (coughs) gets better every day. It's a little unsettling. uh let's see. I wanted to some people are very good at succinctly uh putting uh into words the consequences or the real meaning of like what happened uh in Alabama. Uh, yesterday, and uh, here's one. Okay, just so we're clear, now in Alabama, a man who rapes a woman and gets her pregnant will serve less time if convicted, the rapist will serve less time than the doctor who the woman might go to and say, please get this rapist. Get this... this, Get it out of me. So... A rapist has more power over a woman's body now in Alabama than she does. A rapist telling a woman to carry. A pregnancy conceived in a violent assault and rape against her will is mind-blowing. And here's another concise little thing, because I don't know if you saw, but... The senators in Alabama who voted overwhelmingly, all these Republicans, they were all white men. Not a uterus in the bunch in the Senate, apparently. There's not a single thing in this world that a male could experience. Any man could not even imagine <clears throat> the experience of being forced to carry in his body a rapist's baby to nourish it to go through the 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 pain and suffering of birthing it and then supposedly having to what? Raise it? There are no laws that impose on men anything, even... Slightly equivalent. If men could get pregnant, a friend of mine wrote a song about it. If men could get pregnant, abortion would be a sacrament, there'd be an abortion clinic on every alley. Barbara is remembering where uh, students at uh, Pitt in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s, went when they needed to terminate. She said there was a doctor in the Carlton House Hotel. Well, if it was a doctor, maybe it was relatively a safe procedure. But I have memories, too, exactly that time period of friends in college finding themselves pregnant. And let me tell you, for a single woman to get contraception in those days, it was very difficult. But I lived through two rather harrowing incidents of friends. One in New Jersey that was frightening. Because the people who were providing this service to desperate women were, of course breaking the law, just as they will be soon again. All right, I'll get off it. Laura writes, I don't understand why the national news takes the time to show cute little videos of someone's kid or something someone thought was funny when it wasn't when every local station is also going to show it. It isn't relevant the first time and certainly not the fifth. <clears throat> I think sometimes they do it because they do research and they know that their audience is getting sick of all the bad news. So in order to keep their audience, they give them these little tidbits, usually toward the end Um I don't know. Laura also writes, I'm also appalled at the changes legislatures are making to the abortion laws. What gives all these men the right? And what is wrong with any woman who votes for it or who signs the bills? Actually, the bill in Alabama was sponsored by a woman legislator and signed into law by a female governor. Um, There are women... And there are millions and millions and millions and millions of them that completely take the male, it's not necessarily a male point of view. I think often it's um, religious point of view. Or they also are comfortable living in patriarchy. I think that's the bigger thing they find comfort in the traditional way, the view that men are somehow ordained to be the overlord um, that women are meant to do as they're told and keep their place. I think an awful lot of women uh, agree with that. I also want to point out that for those of you who vote on the Demo- for Democrats to go to Harrisburg around western Pennsylvania, I think half of the Democrats from Allegheny County vote regularly against planned parenthood in Harrisburg. So I know around here having a D after a politician's name doesn't mean anything about how they will vote on giving women a measure of agency over their own bodies. And I say that with apologies to my friend who thinks the word agency is getting out of control. But Laura says, yeah, and Laura, of course, only the woman who needs or wants the abortion along with her doctor should make that call. And if she's in a loving relationship, I'll let the guy come into that picture as well, the husband, the the boyfriend, if in fact that's a long, they're just not into marriage. I mean, yeah. Unless you are in their situation, you don't know. One size doesn't fit all when it comes to abortion. That's the big thing to know. Every woman's story is different. Forcing a woman to bring into the world a child she does not want doesn't seem like a good start. And often does not want because she cannot afford to care for it. And I know the crowd that would say, well, then she shouldn't have sex. Or she should have used contraception. Let me tell you, a lot of women have used contraception and gotten pregnant. Oh. Milton, this is great. The difference between knowledge and and wisdom. Knowledge is knowing that Frankenstein is not the monster. Wisdom is knowing that Frankenstein is. Oh, that's good. That's good. That is good. I love that. Wow. All righty, and then I saw a clip of you-know-who, the orange monster, um, saying something like, yeah, something about the lottery. Uh, people come to our country, there's some lottery and uh, and he says, "I don't think these countries are sending us their best people." And so we now have learned that uh Trump intends to overhaul uh the way we let people into the country, and he's going to significantly increase the educational and skills requirements for people who will be allowed to legally enter the country. And he wants to get rid of the system of family-based immigration. He wants anyone to get in to have specific skills or real nice job offers already, provided they can show they're proficient in English and provided they can pass a civics exam. What do you want to bet that Trump couldn't pass that civics exam? I'm serious. What would what, you bet? I'd bet a lot. And here's all I want to ask about that, about his plan to only let all people who are already well-educated into our country. They already are on the top from wherever they are. And they could stay in whatever country they're in and, or go someplace else. They already have a greater advantage than anyone. And he wants to advantage them more. But here's the thing I thought that just blew my mind. Would the immigrant relative that made you an American... Have passed this hurdle, have been highly educated, already had a job, spoke English proficiently. And I'll tell you what the odds are the odds are your ancestor did not. It was my father's father who was the immigrant who allowed me to be born an American and his children to be born Americans. And he didn't speak English when he came. And he did not even have a high school education. So he would not be allowed in, and I would have ended up well, not not obviously never being born, but he would have been stuck over there, and he would have died in the Holocaust. <laughs> would your ancestor have gotten in? And this disgusting sense that the people who are willing to drop everything, leave everybody and everything they know, but they have the courage to take that chance and go to a place where they heard that they could be somebody. That is the Statue of Liberty I know. That is my family story. I'm willing to bet that's your family story, most of yours, unless you're one of these Mayflower types. But most of us, that's how we got here. They weren't educated. They didn't speak English. They were just hardworking people. The soul of this country My grandfather did not live a long life. He was dead in his early 50s. But in that time, those few decades that he had, he went from being a peddler to owning a little furniture store that then became a bigger furniture store. And he was a successful man. I never knew him, probably spoke with a cute little Yiddish accent, and he was just one of millions, right? No, Trump doesn't want those people anymore. He wants the ones that are already rich, that are already educated. He doesn't want the strivers. He wants people Who've had everything already given to them. He wants to give them more because that's the way Republicans always think. They have extraordinary disdain for people who they see as inferior to them. And inferior to them by virtue of what? Luck of birth. I don't like this time and place. Yeah, Bree, you're right. Melania's parents got into the country because they are family. I'm sure there was always a loophole to get them in. And look at the wondrous things that Melania's family has done for us. Well, (laughs) I just. Roger writes, let's face it, the GOP is a white sausage party with dutiful wives. Well, they identify with the oppressor, the patriarchy. They're comforted by it. They like it. I mean, they like it. They ben- they perceive themselves as benefiting from it. Or a lot of people are taking their religion, and in this supposedly secular nation, they're imposing their religious point of view of when life begins on a nation made up of people of all kinds of religions, and also no religion. And that's another part of the abortion debate that I absolutely think does not get enough attention. The Catholic Church should not be able to impose upon me what they say life is, and when when it begins. Because my religion doesn't agree with that. Or somebody else who has no religion doesn't agree with that. I was... uh exercised uh, the other day about uh, Trump uh, inviting this despicable uh, prime minister of Hungary uh, to the White House and lavishing him with praise. And it was after that uh, whatever diatribe I did then that I I came upon uh, something in the Wall Street Journal opinion page which Stunned me because this guy, writing in the Wall Street Journal, said that Trump's calling Viktor Orban. Well, what he actually said was, Orban has done a tremendous job. He's well-respected all over Europe. First of all, a lie, a lie. And this Wall Street Journal opinion writer says, what a disgrace. An unjustifiable disgrace. So let me just, uh, just to clarify again, keep our eye on the horror of the creeping autocratic uh, love and fascistic love of the man in the Oval Office right now. Because the Prime Minister of Hungary is a hater and he also uses his hate, as Trump does, to, he politicizes it. He uses it to arouse his people. And he uses scapegoats. And his scapegoats have been refugees. Anybody who doesn't have white skin and, Jews. and the piece in the Wall Street Journal uncovered a little piece of audio from Viktor Orban, the man Trump thinks is wonderful, when he was uh, campaigning last year in Hungary. And here is what he said and you try to tell me if you understand what he's talking about because god knows i do here's what victor orban said to his people we are fighting an enemy that is different from us we are fighting an enemy not open but hiding Not straightforward, but crafty. Not honest, but base. Not national, but international. We are fighting an enemy who does not believe in working, but speculates with money does not have its own homeland, but feels it owns the whole world. This was a speech that was almost verbatim. Hitler speeches. Every, he hit, every anti-Jewish trope. And he didn't even have to say Jew. He didn't have to. These people never have to. It's understood. Um, Under Orban, the public school curriculum has been changed in Hungary. It now includes... Uh, books by just flat-out anti-Semites that the little Hungarian children are going to have to read. Um, One of the authors we're talking about said, Jews are the most serious and deadly enemies of Hungary. This is the man that our president Welcomed and lauded at the White House earlier this week. Even some folks at the Wall Street Journal gagged, but they'll ha- they'll stay with them. They'll stay with them. They write a little piece like that, but they'll stay with them. Milton's found another great quote. Milton, geez. Educator Tim Weiss, speaking about European immigration to America, uh, said this, and it's so true. The winners did not leave Europe. Why would they? It was the poor the illiterate, the unskilled or barely skilled. But when they left Europe, they were not of the class that we would consider winners. Many never had a chance to even play the game until they got here. Milton adds, And this is it, Milton, thank you. America doesn't attract winners. It creates them. Like my grandfather, maybe your grandfather, right? The winners stay. They don't have any reason to run, start over, have to learn a new language, whatever the hell. It's always, no, the people who are downtrodden. They're the ones who built this country. What used to be such an amazing country that I was so proud of. I understand, I know history, I know there were things I wasn't. But we did some things really right even if we had to take an awful lot of our country people kicking and screaming forward with us. And so here we are again, a good 40% of Americans not even comprehending what this country is and why it is the great country that they wave the flag about. Fact is, we now have a lot of losers here. People who don't have a clue. I don't know. Oh my God, look what time it is. Oh God, I gotta go. That's ridiculous. I don't know. I'm sorry. I guess I was, like, really, um, anyway. uh, Beautiful day. Enjoy it. Don't look at this damn thing till dinner or bed. No, not at bedtime. You won't sleep. Just, okay? God help us.